Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello everyone and welcome to this, the latest wrestling mixtape show as part of the ESSR feature programming here on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet podcast. We are glad to be back. This is the third edition of this, the wrestling mixtape, where myself and my panel each pick a match based on a certain criteria and essentially put it together as your essential guide to whatever that subject is. This time round, with it being WrestleMania season, we are going to be talking about WrestleMania tag team matches. So there's going to be four tag team matches uh, that we will be discussing on this particular show. Some that you may have heard of, some maybe a bit more obscure, but that's what we like to do here on the Wrestling Mixtape, give you a nice blend of different matches. Uh, before we go on to the housekeeper, I will explain that we are classic a tag team matches. Any match that features a two versus two scenario, so it could be a two versus two versus two, or a two versus two versus two versus two. We could have been a glutton for punishment and tried to find the WrestleMania match. It's a two versus 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 two. I don't one. I don't think one exists, and two. I don't think we put ourselves through that type of pain in general for this particular show. And also, just our usual bits of housekeeping. You can. If this is the first time you're listening to us on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, uh, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice so you can get all our great shows that we have coming up in the future, plus our hundreds of shows that we've done over the years uh, that we've been running over five years worth of content there. Uh, and that we're on social media, all the social media platforms, you can find us there. It's at Suplex Retweet on all of them. Now... For this show, I've decided to bring together the beauty and the beasts of ESSR. Not the beast. That's the really bad one. Just the beast in terms of what you see in the mirror. We have <laughs> that particular person as David Hockney. David, I did have to uh, carefully amend the <laughs> so people didn't get the wrong idea about oh, you there. <laughs> oh, listen, like I've, you've, you've already thrown it out there. People are just going to make assumptions about me. You know? I mean, that's the way the world works now. And here, I'm, I've been fighting through tonsillitis all week as well, so that's the last thing I need just being called a bloody beast by the end of it. David Hockney is not a nonce, ladies and gentlemen. David <laughs> Hockney is not a nonce. I mean, you, you, know might as well just, 
you might as well have just introduced Gary Glitter or something like that. I don't know. Ah, <laughs> uh, wow. Well, that'd be a horrendous episode. Uh, ESSR with Gary Glitter and Jimmy Savile. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the beauty, the man who's described as the the looks of ESSR all the way from the United States of America it is, of course, Chris Anthony Lopez. Is that what you guys say about me when I'm not here? <laughs> I, I'm flattered. I'm, I'm really flattered. I'm happy to be here. These shows are fun. I'll be Ross just calls you Luigi all the time, but just because your Facebook profiles you got in the, <laughs> uh, in the Luigi costume. But that's about it, really. Hey, I mean, I, I love that fit. I still have it. I'll put it on if you want me to. I mean, the, the listeners won't be able to see it, but for you guys. I mean, it's quite accurate right now. The Super Mario movie is out next month. So. Damn right. I mean, <laughs> not, not yeah, sponsored. Yeah, We're not you. sponsored. I mean, I would love to be sponsored by uh, the Super Mario movie. That would be absolutely hey, well, amazing. Be sponsored by the Super Mario movie. We'll all dress uh, up as characters for it. And I think uh, I think Chris would make a better Luigi than uh, uh, Charlie Day. At least he would try and put on the accent, I think. I think Charlie Day, <laughs> Day just has his normal voice. It's like you're watching, um, you know, an animated Always Sunny. Watching but, it, but it weirdly works. It, it weirdly works that it it's just his voice. It works, yeah, it is. A bit better than Chris Pratt's Mario, but oh my this god, is, this is this is unfortunately not a movie podcast. We could be here all day discussing. Uh, we're not we're not first time films or anything like any of that garbage. Hey, Chris has his movie podcasts. Chris has various things going. No, on. no, 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 no. That that one's good. It's uh, it's first time. Film. <laughs> could we go five minutes without a camel reference? It'd be lovely. It'd be lovely. It nah, just gonna feed the man's ego. The goat like <laughs> trolling him. He knows he does. He says it to me in private. Really? Yep. <laughs> really? Really, does he? <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Let's not digress anymore. Let's get on to this episode of the Wrestling Mixtape. Uh, we are usually joined on this show by uh, Scott McLeod, you know, the non-melted ice cream version of the McLeod <laughs> uh, to quote David Hawk there. But um, we're going to talk about, he's, he has submitted a match for us to discuss and we have watched and we're going to go on to that one. It's a match that when I brought this subject to the team, I didn't think anybody would touch upon this match, but we are going to go into it. It's from WrestleMania 9. Now, for the listeners who have watched that show, they're thinking, these guys are surely not going to talk about Money Inc. versus the Mega Maniacs. We're not going to have a Brutus the Barber beefcake reference on this particular show. Thankfully not. We're talking about the first tag match that we had on that particular show. It's the Steiner Brothers versus... The head shrinkers Fatou and Samu with uh, Afa at ringside. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you. Mm-hmm. Did you think we'd be discussing this match about three weeks ago? <laughs> no, frankly, um, this is my first time watching it. So this this was a uh, this was a this was a fun one to start with. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not exactly a a revered WrestleMania as WrestleMania Nine for several reasons. Uh, a lot of them involving Hulk Hogan. Uh, a lot of them, some of them involving Giant Gonzalez with that horrendous morph suit. But thankfully, these four t- uh, guys, David, uh, they get given 14 minutes 22 to go at. This is the third match on, no, the second match on the main card uh, following the Intercontinental title match between the Tank and Shawn Michaels. And they, they give a, a pretty good account of themselves. Oh yeah, like the Steiner brothers were massively over. You know, they were doing that promo with Gene Okerlund backstage beforehand. You know, getting the crowd 
hyped up and you know they were they were over like you know rick steiner obviously the the dog face one getting the the dog bark chants and stuff it was um and they definitely had that sort of uh university of minnesota you know all-american athlete vibe about them especially you know with the the colored singlets and you know like ncaa division like traditional greco wrestling style against you know the the wild uh maniacal brawling style of the the anawahi bloodline as well yes i did check um fatu and samu are with the anawahi family as is aka of the wild of the wild samoans and fatu you're gonna say it's rikishi isn't it yeah, Rikishi is Fatu. Afa, is that Roman's dad? Yeah, I always get mixed up between the two. The, the two main mm-hmm. Samoans. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah, yeah, I think Afa is Roman Reigns' father. Mm. And he looks a lot like him, too. Like, you can see <laughs> in the face. Oh, oh yeah. The, the, the man who at WrestleMania 31 was apparently fuming backstage on at on rings or in the crowd that Roman got it didn't win the world title i don't think i would want to mess with that man even as an old man mm. he just has that terrifying presence about him. like uh, even in like all the way back in 93 he did have that intimidating presence about him but then again the wild samoans were a pretty scary tag team uh to begin with he is he's currently 80 so in night in 93 he would have been uh, 51 so it's a 51 year old man at this particular point in time uh chris i'll throw back to you uh yeah I, I still find it weird seeing Scott Steiner with his, right. the the beard, the grey hair. It's crazy. Because when I when I think of Scott Steiner, that's what I think of. I think of the chainmail. I think of give me the fucking mic. I think of, I think of that guy, right? But like then I I see this because I cannot tell you the last time I watched a Steiner brother match. I I can't. And watching this match for this show, first of all, like seeing like wrestlemania caesar's palace and outside of vegas um the classic WWE. hey we're at this location no you guys are just outside of it uh <laughs> like that that's not it's like when they say they're in chicago at the all-state arena that's like an it's like half an hour away from chicago it's not even in chicago proper like rosemont. but it's a yeah it's a rosemont but it's chicago in WWE world uh so this in caesar's palace just right outside of vegas like I love the atmosphere and the crowd was super hot for the Steiners. Like I, I, I know like you already mentioned it, but the Steiners are super over. And if I, if I was a wrestling fan in 1993, because uh, this match happened four years before I was born, I, I would have loved the Steiner brothers so much. They were over as Rover, and I'm thinking to myself, damn, I would have loved these guys when, when they were you know on top of the world as, as white hot babyface tag team. But shout out to Scott, especially for taking a ton of the beating over the course of this match. Holy shit. Mm. Oh, yeah. The, the kendo stick he gets hit with outside. It's, it's not just the kendo stick. It's the way he kind of gets, he go, he leave, gets chucked out the ring before the kendo Dude, stick. Dude, oh, oh my that, God. That, was that bump is insane. Oh, it's just that, was like two, that was one of the two craziest spots of that entire match. Like, honestly, if one, one wrong angle... For that, from that move, and he could have easily broken his neck, like yeah. just falling from Fatu's shoulders to the outside. It was like, uh, it was like one of those biggie dives to the outside, almost, but over the top rope. Uh, I assume Dave 
I'm going to take a wild guess here. The other spot that you were talking about was the Doomsday Device spot. Yeah, the Doomsday which Device. Was, where... Which was the absolute craziest Doomsday that Device was... spot in my life. Yeah, the, I, I was not expecting that kind of spot to be generated in a tag team match in the early 90s, especially, you know, from... Uh, a team of, you know, two proper heavyweights, uh, like Rick Steiner just took that out of literally nowhere. Like, catching Samu and countering it into a power slam whilst on Fatu's shoulders, that is, oh my God, that was absolutely mental. And I think it was the turning point of the of the match in general. Like, oh. But Rick's- honestly, that's one of the greatest things I've ever seen, especially just from... You know, from an age which it wasn't all about, you know, you know, flippy shit and kicks every all the time. Like this was, you know, genuine big meaty men slapping meat style wrestling. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, oh yeah. I mean, Rick Steiner. I mean, if Rick Steiner had the had his, had his brother's charisma, he would have been a he could have been a big star. But for a man whose nickname was the Dog Face Gremlin, he was a bit bleh in terms of when he tried to talk. But he could go. He had the, he had the big powerhouse moves type stuff, and it was. Yeah, it was a fascinating match. I historically avoid WrestleMania 9 in any of my rewatches of the year because the, the card is just crap for the majority. I mean, I mean, this match is followed by Doink versus Crush. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, Doink, Doink versus Crush. And, um, and, and the semi-main event is that Undertaker-Gonzalez match, which is the worst streak match ever. Mm-hmm. So... It's, and just, it's, the, it's the only one like Undertaker won by disqualification or count out as well. But you gotta give them credit as you as you both mentioned, the crowd were into this. Mm-hmm. And for a mid card tag match, I mean Steiner Yeah, won no titles. Match. It was just two on two. It was super rad. Like mm-hmm. it this was this was fun. This is way more fun than it should have been on a on a horrible card. And I, are you are you guys saying that you guys didn't stick around to watch Taker Gonzalez like I did? but i (laughs) but i i love this and uh, david when you mentioned the um the damn doomsday device Mm -hmm. and like that rick steiner didn't like the reversal i look back at that roster in 1993 how many folks you think be able to pull that off and rick barely pulled it off yeah like like if they were a second a millisecond too soon or too late that that move is horribly done Oh, no. But it just worked out, and like looking back at it, who else do you think be able to do that to a big ass Samoan coming off the top rope? Like not too many, and b- probably the two guys that would be able to do it are both Steiners that are there in that match. Yeah, can you imagine I, if they? Can you imagine if they replicate that spot if Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn do it with the Usos at WrestleMania uh, this year, assuming they they do have the match? Oh, don't say that because I'm gonna expect it. <laughs> I mean, I don't think. It's a spot that the two of them would do. I mean, anybody, the only other guy on this card I think could maybe have pulled it off would have been Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor, sorry. Lex Luthor's a completely different guy. He could definitely <laughs> pull it off. He I, I want to watch a Lex Luthor wrestling match. I'll watch that shit. That'd be so one-sided. Uh, don't, I hate Superman, so I'm not even going to get into that mm. shit. Uh, but like, in regards to the like to like to everything else, like yeah, the presentation rock, the crowd was really fun for this. I loved the commentary about the entire thing because yes. it, it's jim ross trying to like actually you know do his job 
but Bobby Heenan and Macho Man Randy Savage would not stop talking over Jim Ross the entire time. Yes, this and, was it. This was Jim Ross's first night on the job in WWE, WWF at the time. So and he's they obviously him, had to try to take it seriously. And they made him wear a toga. Yeah. Right. And Macho Man, you know, came out full Macho Man. Mm. But it was actually quite a, it was a breath of fresh air hearing Macho Man on commentary. You know, it was almost like days of Gorilla Monsoon, you know, being a former competitor himself. And... You know, Savage, a couple of years prior, you know, was competing on WrestleMania regularly. But to hear him on the commentary table for a change, and, you know, he he obviously has his iconic voice as well. It was really good to hear him in that context. And he plays it up brilliantly as a heel-ish commentator. And and if you subscribe to the Daily Mirror's Pile Driver newsletter, you would have seen that Bobby Heenan's entrance at WrestleMania 9 was listed as one of our top WrestleMania entrances of all time. (laughs) (laughs) By... uh, the, the Daily Stars, Matty Paddock. Uh, <laughs> we had to get that one. Had to be included in that particular list. Uh, so yeah, it's a a surprisingly fun match. I think it is to start our show off with this week. So uh, thanks to Scott for contrib- contributing to that one. Uh, I will now go on to Chris. Next off, uh, Chris, you have picked a match, which yep. I think <clears throat> is. Our first match is a match that not many wrestling fans, well, less wrestling fans would have watched. But I think you've picked a match that every single wrestling fan will have seen at least once. It's a match that if you were to, like, the whole point of this program is we're assembling the, like, the ultimate wrestling mixtape for WrestleMania tag matches, right? That's what we're doing. It's teams of two in a tag match at WrestleMania. And I chose the quintessential tag team wrestlemania match it's tlc2 from wrestlemania x7 this match bones it rocks it it reeks of awesomeness like everything that you want in wrestling like it it's encapsulated in this right hot crowd at the grandest stage of the mall three of the most over tag teams in a pro wrestling history you have the hardy boys where all the girls are like, oh my God, it's Jeff and Matt, because Matt was also a heartthrob. Let's not forget that. Edge and Christian, who are incredible. And then the Dudley boys coming into this as the tag champs. There's ladders everywhere. Tables are being broken. People are getting hit with um, steel chairs. Every team has another person come out for them at some point in the match. In, In quick succession. Like, you see Lita, Spike, and Rhino, and they all get their moves in. It's incredible. This match is so much fun. And it's like a it's like not even 20 minutes. Well, like this is this is what I want out of a tag team match. Give me all the action. Give me some great tag teams. This match rocks. I love it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's meant, it's crazy to think that this match is only a minute longer than the first match we talked about. But it's, it's just one of the most revered classic rewatchable matches you'll ever watch in your life. I mean, TLC one itself is an absolute masterpiece. So these guys are, this is the third big match like this they've had in a year. And you just think, how are they gonna I mean even when they were even when they were fighting singles a lot of this time, they just kept trying to top each other all the time. The most um I still think the most underrated match between the feud between these three teams is the the tables match at the Rumble 2000 between the Hardys and the Dudleys. 
Yep. It's absolutely great. But it's just a case of how can they top each other? How can they top each other? How can they top each other? And this, this match, I I don't want to call it a spot fest, but it's the best kind of spot fest in the fact that there's literally, you see a lot of these big matches and it's a case of there's not a gap, there's a, there's a big gap between something happening, somebody's been taken out and some of the guys lie there for ages, but it's literally... Something happens, and something happens, something happens, something happens. Something happens. It's, just, it's just constant. You cannot take your eyes off of it for one minute. And I think that, Dave, that's what really, really helps elevate it. And it's also the fact that it's a card at WrestleMania 17 that you, there's so much great stuff that went on that night. You've got to take something to the next level to make it rememberable. Oh, yeah. Like, I would describe this match as, as, um, as beautiful carnage. In that, you know, I think it was described, like, the way you described it, it was like, yes, it had all the plenty big spots in it, but it was paced so well, like, just to give everybody a moment to breathe and recuperate from what everybody just witnessed. And all six of these guys were willing to take chances just for the sake of, you know, entertaining a crowd as as much as they could, but also establishing names for themselves and what was already a stacked card. Because bear in mind, they had to follow... The, the Vince-Shane match in which uh, drama galore, Linda stepped out of the wheelchair and absolutely wellied Vince and the Grapefruits. It was, um, I mean, that moment in itself would have been tough to top, but these guys went out there, got their tools of the trade, of their signature tools, and they did it perfectly, obviously with the assistance of their, their third person, shall we say, like Christian taking a hell of a bump to the outside after being pushed off the ladder whilst Matt got caught. Very, very uh, Scott Steiner-esque. <laughs> yeah, beautifully done. That um, quadruple table spot between that Bubba and Matt did, oh, chef's kiss table break. Like, probably one of the cleanest uh, and most devastating spots I've ever seen in a, in a ladder match. But I think there were a couple, I mean, there were a couple of moments that were a little bit hiccupy in that, you know, Jeff trying to almost effectively tightrope walk across the top of the ladders to reach the title. Yeah, and that, that's, that's just Jeff. That's yeah, Jeff. He, yeah, that's, that that's perfect to Jeff Hardy. Like, that, uh-huh. that's the perfect... And he, he still made it work. He still got the spot off, but of course he messed it up. Yeah, like that. I mean, amb- ambitious but rubbish in the end. But I suppose we did get that epic spear spot from Edge. And Is that the best it, spear ever? Oh, definitely. Has to be. Like I don't care, not not just Edge's spear, the best spear period. Oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 just the way it was executed as well. Like the, I think Bub when Bubba was trying to take the ladder away, it actually creates a bit of swing momentum. So Jeff was sort of swinging towards Edge as it happened, and I think just it made the connection so much smoother. Didn't it knock Jeff out? Uh, I think yeah, that was Jeff. I think they've gone on record ah. saying later that Jeff got knocked out because of that. Oh well, he did fall about. 15 feet and on his back so probably yeah but then again this was literally after he double swantoned spike and rhino through a couple of tables afterwards which he did recreate uh mania 33 with the bar so yeah it's um oh there were just so many good spots i just want to talk about although one thing that did put me off though i think it was when lita hit spike dudley with a steel chair and then she proceeded to take her top off (laughs) Paul Heyman on commentary is just like, take it all off, take it all off. <laughs> like, okay, uh, very good, Paul Heyman. You just made yourself make yourself sound like a massive pervert. Uh, 
Uh, I mean, let's let's not let's not sit here and act like wrestling's aged well. You know, no. like <laughs> mm. like let let's not like that. That's such a moment in time. Like just that, just obviously those lines of commentary. And yo, and since you're talking about the commentary, there are a couple of gems from Jim Ross over the course of this. Um, he says at one point, I heard Dudleyville, I, I might be paraphrasing. I heard Dudleyville is just outside of parts unknown. Yep. G- great, great line. And then another thing he said later when Lita showed up, uh, he said, Lita is jerking edge off the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is oh, incredible. Like, this comment, is so good. That comment did not age well. <laughs> no, it uh, didn't. Uh, I mean, I I'm love still it. Getting- I'm still getting over ambitious but rubbish. You know, the the the, the three word summary of David Hotley's sex life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I mean, I was quoting Top Gear, but now you've just put it in a context that literally had no substance or Sorry, backing do, behind do, it. Do you want me to say it in Jeremy Clarkson's voice? Ambitious but rubbish. <laughs> and that was David Hotley's sex tape. <laughs> oh. <laughs> ah. Clarkson's uh, far, farm now on Amazon Prime. We are not sponsored by them. Take that out. Uh, no, <laughs> back back to the wrestling. Uh, yeah, I mean the we are what we've obviously touched upon the additional elements to this match that we didn't get in the first TLC, which was the third man stroke woman of each of the teams, and I think that's the element that tops TLC one for me over this because it's just that extra carnage. Rhino is peak Rhino at this point in time. He's an absolute machine. He's a I mean, unit. I think it's helped the fact that this is the that this phase is when Paul Heyman's on commentary because Paul Heyman was the guy who knew everything about Rhino. Every time Rhino even, you know, breathed around the arena, he was so excited. It's Rhino! It's Rhino! And I'm, I remember at the time going, who is this guy? He's a big guy. This guy's really excited, man. Um, mm. Spike Dudley, I mean, man can, man can hit a sliced bread. I mean, that's one thing it's fair to say. And they, it's sold terrifically. Uh, that sliced bread to Christian is is perfect. So everything about bread? it is, is, that not, is, is it not the Dudley dog? Well, it's a sliced bread. It's, like, a, it's, a, it's called the, it's called he calls it a Dudley dog, but the actual well known title is a sliced bread. Okay, they okay. call they did they do a doomsday device, but they call it the Dud, the Dudleyville device. Dudley device, yeah. Ah, yeah. yeah they did I, pull off. Yeah, there is again, you know, tag team match pulling off a a, a du- doomsday doomsday device. Yeah. Yep. The only thing I think it took off that 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 quarter star from Meltzer was the fact that Devon technically misses the headbutt on the ones up. Yeah, he was so far as across the ring. <laughs> He's a million miles. It's good camera work. Let's be brutally honest. The camera oh, doesn't yeah. really hide it, but it's so far away. I mean, the camera just switches at the last minute to kind of save it. But the way it's gone is like he has a never in a million years. No way was that. taking that. Yeah, and it doesn't. Can I just point as well? Remember when Devon set the table up in the corner, and then for a brief second, when Spike goes to slice bread Christian to that table on the outside, the table disappears from the corner for a brief second, and then when they cut back, the table's there again, and Rhino gores. Uh, I think it's. I think he gores Matt Hardy through it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was just like a quick trick of the mind. You think, hang on, wasn't there a table in that corner just a second ago? But yeah, and then it's just Christian who gets chucked to the outside. But then it gets put back, and then Rhino gores another guy through it. It's the point. Oh, the, point the point where Rhino comes in, there's a bit of a dallying about because I think they're trying to work the take the work weight things back into it. But Mahardy takes a ton of beating in this one. He gets gored through the table. He takes that spot that Dave mentioned where they flew through those triple tables. He's still down there. 
as Edge and Christian are leaving after winning the match, he's still lying there, absolutely done in. When they had the three ladders set up and all six guys were on top, like before it shit got insane, and Christian took that massive bump, Matt also took the ropes to the nuts. Oh, like, like when he fell, and they fell hard. Like out of all six guys, Christian and Matt fell the hardest out of, out of any of them. And it's like you're right, Matt does get his shit kicked in this match, but it's 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 perfect as it stands. Like in like in a in a in a like um in uh in a funnel like in a like if i'm just looking at this through the lens of wrestlemania x7 this match and like you like you guys mentioned there's the mcmahon match right before this the main event is what a lot of people talk about from this show but tlc2 like i'm not saying it's not as iconic as the other two matches because it is but man it's so good and it's quick the the entrances are hot the crowd is hot and the second the match starts like until and until Christian pulls the belts down, like it's so good from B to from bell to bell. I I love it. It's great. It's a it's a it's a, such a good card. I mean, so many people with a, a lot of the kind of we're in that we were in that really hot AEW card pay per view card point maybe last in twenty twenty one. Even the recent AEW pay per view revolution at the time of recording, loads of people say. Well, these are some of the best pay-per-views of all time, but so I think X Sevens is such a bar. It's just mm. so difficult to kind of to kind of top it. As mental as well like, of these six guys, there's only one guy still employed in WWE, which is Edge. Mm. Which is there was two until recently. Obviously, Devon uh, was working backstage but got let go. But there's three guys. There's three guys in AEW, which is absolutely nuts. You know, I mean that's crazy as hell. I mean Edge might. Say he's retiring from WWE. He might show up in AEW the year, and then there'll be the there'll be the TLC Zimmer match between the Hardys and the Christian and Edge, which is oh something. that'll be that'll be cool. The Hardys versus versus uh Christian Cage and Sexton Hardcastle. That's <laughs> that's so cool. I would I would love to see that main event an AEW pay per view. <sighs> I don't. I would. That was Sexton, Sexton Hardcastle and Edge's bitch versus the Hardy Boys. <laughs> it's um, it's Christian Cage and a corner, not even Edge. Carter? Oh, <laughs> it's a thinker. It's a thinker. <laughs> but this match rocks. This match rocks. Yes, yeah, it's, it's so good. I think the fact that the crowd still is so hot after because they're hot for the match before with the McMahon's. They're so hot for that one. The, the Linda pop. So many people love the Linda pop. Because it's, it's, it's so goofy. That <laughs> like that, that spot is so goofy and dumb, but it got one of the biggest pops of the decade. Oh, unbelievable. And, yeah. and what was crazy is like the many of the the many of Re- oh no, it wasn't WrestleMania. It was WrestleMania's top ten matches in two thousand four hosted by Ric Flair. It was on the WrestleMania twenty DVD. Uh they actually ranked the WrestleMania two thousand ladder match above this like tlc2 didn't even make the cut of the top 10 which it's i'm the, the, baffled the at two, the 2000 one's good the 2000 one is good but they're TLC, both great the, the tlc2 one i think is the better of the of the two of them this one's ingrained in my brain mm. because if i'm going to show someone some wrestling matches from that time period you know like there's some classics but like this one is just this is what like we as wrestling fans like get so hyped about 
and like when we talk about our love for pro wrestling, it's shit like this. Like, think- like when we when we get so hyped up and gets and we lose our shit at shows or at home watching shows, it's matches like these, especially at that time where they were batshit insane, and it still holds up over twenty years later. And I think what I would put between this one and the two thousand matches, I could so many of the spots we've mentioned, I can remember the spots without rewatching the match. The two thousand match, there's a lot of spots that I can't actually remember. The only mm-hmm. thing I can really remember is the point with it right at the end with the tables between the two ladders to help them win it, and they kind of push the, I believe one of the one of the Hardys, one of the Dudleys off to win it. But this match, TLC two, you know, mm-hmm. if you've been a wrestling fan in the last ten years and you've only watched the last ten years worth of TLC, you mm-hmm. you've not sampled it. The first through. Maybe the first three TLC matches are just absolutely unbelievable. And this is the pick of the bunch, I would say. Uh, maybe the first four. I maybe say that one on Raw Roulette that Kane won by himself. <laughs> it's, that's that's a good match. But that's a different show altogether. Thanks, Chris. Great to have that, that match mentioned in this particular show. I mean, when we talked about it before, you were like, is it too obvious? No, absolutely not. Absolutely. I I I asked. I'm like, ah, oh, like, and I thought, I'm like, maybe I should, I should change my mind to pick a, a pick a bad. I was gonna pick a bad match, but I'm like, no, like I want something for the because the whole point of this show is if we're gonna give someone a, a tape of WrestleMania tag matches, you gotta have one of these. And I just happened to choose TLC two, and especially after rewatching it for this show, holy shit, I'm glad I did. Yeah, it's an absolute. It's an absolute belt. Mm. It's well merited on the top. You never, you'll, you'll never get bored of watching that match. That's for no, sure. No, you won't. You won't. I mean, even though we can, we could discuss it till the cows come home. There is a reason why we do that. Is because it's just such a fun match to watch. And all six guys, and then eventually all nine participants in the match. Like, it's it's great. Like it's like everyone gets their stuff in. No one looks bad. Like Lita takes a 3D after clocking Spike in the head with that chair. You know, mm-hmm. a chair shot that would not fly nowadays. But, Lita I clocks mean, Spike and immediately gets 3D'd. It's 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 pro wrestling at its finest for 2001. I mean, I mean a 2001 wrestling crowd, what she does between the 3D and the chair shot, you know, got them happy, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, you know, like there was a lot like, of, uh, the top off. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But lot, like she still took a three D, which is rad. <laughs> a lot of red blooded males in the crowd that night and Paul Heyman's just sitting by the desk and doing his thing. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. So many people, so many teenagers at that point in time seen a high flying, kick ass female wrestler who always mm-hmm. had a phone hanging out. And no. and big and big shout out, because uh, I couldn't stop looking at it throughout the whole match. The Foley's God sign on the hard cam, I I cannot stop looking at it. Well, great there sign. Would, there would be no TLC without Mick Foley. Damn right. As, <laughs> as the the KFEB gods will have his belief, Chris Jericho probably still says he did come up with the idea for Money in the Bank. I'm not 100 percent sure if he did, Chris. He, he did. Yeah. If he actually did, then I'm sorry. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think the original plan was uh, get a wish of sorts that within reason. The original plan was for RVD to win it, so then he would bring back ECW. But he was injured that time, so he couldn't compete in it. So Vince changed it slightly and said, "Let's give the winner a guaranteed title match uh, with a keepsake, you know, like a, a briefcase, for example." That's how the concept of that came about. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Lovely bit of knowledge there, Dave. Thanks very Statisticians much. hat is back on tonight. That's not a stat. That's a fact. That's a historian. <laughs> Same thing. That's a researcher. No, it's completely different. You did not say a number. It's or not a stat. That's just a fact of life. Dumb yeah. 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 Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, late love here. Love it. Uh, well, now we will go on to David Hotley's pick. Uh, David's picked a match from a WrestleMania, quite a recent WrestleMania, in fact, uh, that had four tag team matches on the card. Was it four tag team? Uh, four tag team matches on that particular card. Now, anyone who is wanting a Nicholas return the night after WrestleMania, you'll be disappointed that that's not the match that David's picked. Uh, Dave, please tell the listeners more about this this particular match that you've picked for your tag team WrestleMania show. Well, let me talk to you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, I've gone with the joint debut match, the mixed tag team match of Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey versus Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. One that has been a few months in the making for that year's Road to WrestleMania since the Royal Rumble when Ronda Rousey showed up after the women's rumble and basically just pointed at the WrestleMania sign, like overkilling the, the meme as it were. Uh, but yeah, she makes her WrestleMania debut against a, also WrestleMania debuting Stephanie McMahon with their, <clears throat> with two reliable veterans by both of their sides. So we had hall of famer, Kurt Angle, who hadn't competed since, well, he'd competed a, a couple of times that year. Once for, with, with the Shield and TLC and the other on Team Raw at Survivor Series. Funnily enough, he was teaming with Triple H as well on, as part of Team Raw. But I think that was just a, a catalyst to having a, a tag team match at Mania that year. But I remember we watched this in a place called Committee Rooms Number 9 in Glasgow. Like, if we watched, we were out, out and about with a group of friends. We had a table booked. It was... Uh, Basically, WrestleMania fever had taken over the town and we were all there watching it live. And one thing I do remember specifically is that uh, Rhonda was paying tribute to Roddy Piper, where her graphics and her Titantron were similar to that of Hot Rod himself. She comes out wearing his leather jacket. She comes out wearing a kilt. And I do remember distinctively uh, Kwaku uh, singing it flower of scotland at the top of his voice uh when she came out in that kilt so that's why that entrance is so memorable for me in particular um and then obviously talking about memorable entrances triple h and stephanie come out on the the hell's angels motorbikes uh almost uh a nod to their entrance last year where they came out on the on the one motorcycle but they each get their own this time because well uh gender equality i guess <laughs> but um yeah, the um, the match itself, it was it was by no means like, you know, a technical masterclass. But what I will say about it is it was arguably the best storytelling uh, mixed in with a combination of two legends, you know, having one last scrap with each other and getting some really good spots in, also while protecting, you know, two... Well, I want to say, I wouldn't say novices. Well, maybe Ronda was a novice given that that was her first match. But Stephanie did have some wrestling experience, although not a lot. And I love how it, you're giving, I love how you're giving Stephanie that experience nod still. Uh, You've got one of the most accomplished UFC female fighters of all time, an Olympian and 
was it in judo. But yeah. yeah, Stephanie, you know, our dad's the boss. Yes. Yeah, it's up, up above her. Um, you got, but yeah, uh, Stephanie, also a raw, former raw, raw Women's Champion because, I don't oh, know, nepotism, I guess. But um, uh, <laughs> but um, I think it was highlighted on commentary as well, you know, that this was Stephanie's debut at WrestleMania, even though she did have a, a few matches prior. Uh, I also noticed Jonathan Coachman was on commentary as well, obviously being an ESPN yep. commentator as well. I thought that was a nice uh, throwback to... But ten years prior, when he was an active commentator with WWE, um, but some really, really good spots. You know, Triple H and Kurt Angle did most of the of the heavy stuff, as as you do. And fair play to Angle, you know, with somebody whose knees are as as done in as his were, um, he actually put on a very solid showing against Triple H, who was sort of semi-retired at that point, but Triple H could still go as if he was like a an active full-time competitor. So he's always been in great shape. But when Ronda got tacked in, though, I think that's when everything just went a little bit, <laughs> a little bit chaotic, but in a good way, chaotic, because, you know, the rules, traditional rules of mixed tag match were out the window. You know, you had men fighting the women and, you know, interferences galore. Uh, Ronda basically carrying Triple H on our shoulders at one point, beating him up with punches. And it was just such a joy to watch. But the, the, the I think the biggest takeaway from it, I think, was Ronda actually shining in her debut match in front of the biggest crowd she's ever performed in front of. And that was reiterated a, a couple of times. It was It was a good mix of... You know, a few bits of two veterans having a bit of a throwback for the old days, but also making Rousey a very credible athlete uh, and a a devastating one at that with a devastating submission hold. It was just a really fun, well-told roller coaster of a story from start to finish. Yeah, I think, Chris, the word Dave just used there, fun, is a a big word you would describe this match for because it's so much fun watching every part of it. It's, a, it's not a technical clinic. It's not one that's going to appease that type of audience. But from a story perspective, they hit so many notes and the key objective coming out of this match is let's make Ronda look amazing. And they did it. <laughs> See, I, I took notes for all the matches that we watch for this mixtape. And the last two notes that I put for this match were, one, that was way more fun than it should have been. And two, it was also way longer than it should have been. Like they, that that was my one thing in the beginning. Like I, I hate to come like to start off being Debbie Downer, but like before the rules of the mixed tag just got thrown out the window when Ronda showed up, like they really like like were hammered it up for yeah, like, but- hey Ronda, you can't get involved, but Steph is actively it's, like it, it screwing kick- around with everything. It doesn't mm-hmm. kick in until she gets the tag. Exactly. exactly. It's the, the, the time between the start and her getting the tag, yeah, it could have been. I noticed the referee as well was Drake Wurtz from NXT. Ew. Let's not talk, let's, let's not, let's not talk about him. <laughs> yeah. But let's you can tell that you tell Triple H something a word in his ear like, hey, listen, uh, we pay your paycheck, so go a bit lenient on us and stuff. But to Chris's point about it being too long, I think, yes, it was. It did feel a little bit long, but I think that doesn't deter the match in general. Oh, no. Oh no, no. 
But because right, for WrestleMania, now, WrestleMania nowadays, you've got to have like some celebrity involvement or that generates uh, now, a casual nowadays, nowadays, there's been res- there's been celebrity involvement in WrestleMania since WrestleMania one. Mm. Yeah, so it's the that, attraction. I, I, I meant like I meant like getting them in a, in an actual match is what I meant. Like Mr. T was in the main event of WrestleMania one day. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, fine, fine. But um, yeah, like you've got um. You got Bad Bunny competing at WrestleMania 37. You've got Logan Paul doing it a few times. That was his debut match as well. So, and some of these, some of these uh, like outsiders that come in for their first match, they actually they put on an excellent performance. And Ronda was no exception here. But the reason it was given so much time, I reckon, is because it was to generate uh, casual fan interest, give people a chance to see an outsider perform in a new environment. But also Ronda Rousey has that star power draw about her in the same way that Brock Lesnar does, you know, a former UFC combatant, you know, and she had all this hype about her, you know, being like probably the best, uh, UFC female competitor. She's an Olympic medalist in judo. It was all the more reason for people to tune in and they got a really, really good, um, showing out of her in general 100 percent, and like and i don't want to come off like um all bah humbug at ronda rousey like the first thing i wrote down when when starting this match was that like oh this is cute this is when crowds actually liked her you know like like the pop that she got when a bad reputation came on was awesome and the crowd got so hot when she got tagged in like it was super cool to see because now Unfortunately, she doesn't get reactions like that. And I know she's gone on record saying that, like, you know, like the fans turned on her or whatever. But at the moment, well, between like her getting her debuting at the Rumble and showing up at this, like it was so rad. And it was cool how Stephanie and Hunter put her over. Like they had, there was like that stare down between uh, Triple H and Ronda towards the end of the match. And when Ronda just started going to town and beating the shit out of him. And like, it was so cool of Triple H to do that. God knows what Triple H would have done 15 years prior, you know, if that was the case. Like, he would have buried poor Ronda. But at the time, at WrestleMania 34, like, I, I loved how they presented Ronda. And it, it gave Kurt Angle another, you know, WrestleMania moment because, you know, frankly, his retirement match kind of sucked. But the tag match that he was a part of with this, like, it it was super cool just to see the four people involved. And, uh, David, I think you're the one that mentioned it, everything with Stephanie. Like, I was very impressed by what Stephanie was doing. I know she'd been in the, she's been in the business her whole life. She's been in the ring a few times, sometimes against her own father, you mm-hmm. know. But I, I, I was still pretty impressed by what she was doing. Stephanie is such an underrated heel. Mm. Like, as a wrestler, as a personality, commentator, whatever. If you were to have, like, a Mount Rushmore of heels, Stephanie should be in the conversation. Oh, yeah. She really, she really should. She might not be on Rushmore, but she should be in the conversation. And this match is Exhibit A. My, my one issue with Stephanie, and I think hindsight in the five years since has kind of made me think this, is... Stephanie in this match is presented as this expert in jiu-jitsu, you know, taekwondo, judo, and the way that she telegraphs the armbar all the time. And then it's like, so in the full time that Ronda has been in WWE, 
the only people who have telegraphed this are bar. Well, it's kind of like Liv Morgan, Becky Lynch, Stephanie McMahon. Mm. I mean, this Ronda Rousey, anytime she put that move on in UFC, it was done. But yet, Stephanie McMahon, accomplished wrestler Stephanie McMahon, is mm. the one who solves the puzzle. I know that's, I think personally, the match would have been even better if the one time she hits the armbar is the, is the time that ends it. I think Stephanie could have got out of the armbar in some very sneaky, cowardly ways. But the fact that they present her as this person who reverses them all and knows how to get out of it, I wasn't sure about that. I let it fly because there's so much else in the match is great. You See, know, I think, but, I think, I think the reason they let it they let it slide is because for most of it, Ronda knows she can beat Stephanie like within the blink of an eye. So then there was definitely was a lot of taunting and you know teasing. Ronda was playing with her food. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was. It was she was toying with Stephanie. She knew like. You know, it would only take a second to snap her arm, but she wanted to torture Stephanie. Like, and maybe that few seconds of trash talking or whatever, I think that allowed Stephanie, you know, at least a little bit of leeway to decide, right, I'm gonna clasp my hands together like like I'm doing a full Nelson, and that way at least she I can stay I can hang on for at least a little bit longer. So and at least keep give us a chance of winning. So that's that was my interpretation of that because we all wanted to see Rhonda basically physically dissect Stephanie. That was the whole purpose of this match in general. But you had to drag it out. You had to tell a story behind it. Like, nobody was going to accept that being a squash match or a 12-second, like, UFC fight inside the octagon. It had to It had to have storytelling and a bit of action and a bit of drama behind it. And they did it so damn well. And I... I would, and I remember saying this, like, in hindsight, after the day after Mania 34, I actually think for what was a vastly stacked card, this match, I think, was probably the best of the entire night. I mean, it got the highest Meltzer rating. Four and a, four and a quarter Meltzer gave it. Uh, what was the main event of this show? Oh, Brock Lesnar. Uh, broken broken Oh, this, kill me. Yeah, no, this, you're right. The, yep, that, this, this, is is the Wrestle, this is the WrestleMania that up until this match is one of the best kickstarts to a mania they've ever done. They had the triple threat intercontinental between Rollins, Balor and Miz, which mm-hmm. is such a great uh, mania opener. They had the Charlotte-Asuka match after that one, which was an absolute banger. A surprise result at the end of it. With uh, uh, that, 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 that finish has um, that mm-hmm. taste in mouth. Yeah, the finish. Great match. But the match is great. Yeah, there's also the bit after the match <clears> where, John, where John Cena does the greatest run from... Up the up the ramp you'll ever see in your life because he's just been told that uh, he's, he's getting fajitas for dinner, uh, <laughs> as, opposed, as, as opposed to you. The Undertaker is here. Uh, the US title four ways there, but Rusev is <laughs> yeah. Rusev is over though, which makes it quite fun mm-hmm. until the finish as well. That one. Then there's this match, and then the show kind of goes downhill. The show just goes downhill after this match, you know. I honestly would I honestly would have stopped watching after the, the next tag match had I known the show was gonna go that downhill that quickly. I mean, Daniel Bryan was making his comeback in this show, but that match is crap. Mm, yeah, <laughs> to squeeze that match in it towards the end, but everything else you could have done without. Yeah, I mean they could have Yeah, Nia Jax versus Alexa Bliss is crap as well. Yeah. Uh, the AJ Styles AJ Nakamura. Is the one you that's such a huge missed opportunity. Like I, 
Oh my God. It pisses me off. I was hoping you weren't going to mention it because I was going to react this way. But I will never get over that match. Like, are, what in God's name? If, I, if Triple H, uh, I, I hope one day, now that Triple H is running the show for now, um, that we get to run that back properly. We get Styles Nakamura, give them half an hour, give them 25 minutes. Just let them go. Just let them do it. Yeah, like they can't, please, they can't, the, they can't afford the enemy, but if it was like no yeah. more dick kicks, mm, stop. No. That was the whole feud was kicking each other in the dick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. can can I ask both you gents this question? Did any of you time how long Kurt Angle was taking to make the tag to Ronda? Oh gosh, that was dire to watch. It was like <laughs> he must have his, his hands just in the air. I mean, I know Kurt Angle had a dodgy neck mm. and that. And he, I know he can't move his head a certain way, so obviously maybe it's a wee bit trembly for him when he moves his arms a wee bit. You, but. <laughs> you, reminded, me, you, you reminded me when I was watching this back. I was saying, Kurt, just bloody reach out. It's like, just, just do yourself. it. You're literally, like, literally within an arm's reach of Ronda. You, would, you could make that if you just stretch your arm out. It's not difficult. <sighs> but then, like, you immediately forget about it the second you hear Ronda's pop. And, mm. like, she, 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 she jumps into the ring... And Corey has this great call. He said, call the cops. Like the <laughs> second she, uh, Rhonda pulls Steph into the ring again. And Steph being a total, um, like she was totally game for all this shit with Rhonda. She's getting manhandled by Rhonda Rossi the entire time. And I know we were talking about the whole jujitsu, her fighting off the, uh, the arm bar, whatever. But like, this is like, Steph was giving a ton and still was triple H surprisingly. Like, and I know around this time, this is when Triple H is putting everybody over um, until he wasn't. But, like, it's so, like, I, I really like those bits, like, the, the small stuff. With the exception of, of course, the angle. He's just sitting there milking the crowd reaction, pun intended. <laughs> He's milking the crowd reaction, waiting for the tag. But this, this was, it was a lot of fun. And, um, like, we keep talking about, like, yeah, this isn't a technical marvel like how we want other matches to be, but this was an attraction. I know Dave, uh, David, you were talking about the um, the celebrity aspect, and Ronda was that at least in the beginning. Like she, we didn't know how much she was going to stick around, how many matches she would wrestle, but she was an attraction, like how Brock was, uh, how Brock, how Brock is, like it's the I attraction. Hyped. I was hyped to see Ronda compete in a WWE ring, like so was I. Yeah, I mean, seen her in UFC a few times. Like, she's a legit badass fighter, and that match itself was technically about three years in the making. Because remember, they had that stare down with Triple H, Stephanie, and the one. Oh, imagine if this match had the Rock in it oh, instead of Kurt Angle. I, I think, I think, I think Rock was the plan, but they couldn't get Rock. Oh, so Angle was the backup because to be fair, this. I think Car Angle actually made sense given that you yeah. Know, cut, cut, Storyline wise, it made sense. Yeah, storyline wise, angle made sense. Yeah, I think they kind of made. I think they they booked it in a way that I mean, with the Survivor Series stuff before, that it made some sort of sense for Angle to be that Angle was the backup, so they had to try and make it make sense. It's a hell uh, of a backup. Yeah, oh, it is a hell of a backup. I mean, even even then, when he was absolutely well past his prime, he was he was a decent backup on that one. But The Rock would have been something. I think with Ronda, uh, this is. Five years on, this is clearly the peak of her powers. This is the peak. She, she and it's sad because it's the beginning. I, exactly, exactly. But I think the thing, her time away 
make it didn't help her, I don't think. But the difference really between her and Brock is that Brock was a Brock was a WWE re- he was a wrestler. He was a wrestler first. So he right. kind of went he 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 did the wrestling, went to the UFC when he came back. It was easy for him. He he could do it. He could do it in his sleep. I mean, I just think he was booked. I think in hindsight, I think he's just booked absolutely Vince just booked him absolutely terrible that he was just just do this, this and that. But Brock's so much better than that. And we've seen that at points. Uh, so I think that's what kind of difference him between him and Rousey, but because Rousey's not a kind of homegrown wrestler first, when she says a lot, does a lot of the things she says and kind of takes the time off, she's not revered in the same way. And it doesn't help that she kind of... I think that's when she has an absolute crap show. And they like, booked her like a baby face. And then like well, when Brock yeah. came back, and when Brock came back, like after all the stuff with Cena, like he was... Like, he was just, like, spoiler. Brock was just playing spoiler. Like, if Brock showed up, LOL, he was going to win, right? Like, Ronda, that was the case with her, too. But, like, the crowds didn't receive her the way they received Ronda and how they received Brock. And maybe it's because when Brock showed up in 2002, crowds were different. And we've spent more time and we've had enough time to properly take in Brock Lesnar. But Ronda, you can't have someone like her come in and expect us to root for her the whole time. Yeah, I think yeah. there was there's a couple of there was a couple of issues with the Ronda one. I think I think it wasn't helped. See if they'd got her in two thousand and five permanently, she was red hot in two thousand and five with the undefeated stuff. If they'd got her then, it would have been a completely different thing. I think. But I think when they the time no two thousand and five two thousand fifteen, but uh-huh. when they actually when they actually get her, she's obviously her UFC career ended because she lost twice and she kind of just her powers completely melted. But I think also she. She, did, she got some bad advice. I'm sure it was Vince that told her, when you go out there, go out there and look like you're loving it. So she came out. The whole thing with her entrance in this match is you can kind of see her shadow in the behind the smoke because she looks like she's pure pumped and everything like that at all. And then she comes out with this big, massive cheesy grin. It's like, no, don't come out like that. Come out with a scorned face like you're going to mean business and you're going out there to kick ass. And it's just like, why? why? And then she started doing that later and then she kept getting booed. And then she started, then she started complaining online. Or in her vlogs on YouTube, and then and then all of us, because like now, um, like wrestlers, like kayfabe is dead. Like the lines are so blurred now with what's with. Like I think the only person right now who's a, who can live their gimmick is uh, MJF in AEW. Yeah, like I, like yeah. that guy's. A, I, I'm convinced that guy's a scumbag. I'm Ronda. Ronda's definitely more of a natural heel than she is a natural face. Because I mean, if. She's going out there. She's smiling. She's grinning like the Cheshire Cat. That definitely feels forced. She, especially yes. her, she, she never did that. Her, especially when her resting face is like pissed off slash angry. She, yep. She never did. She never did the happy go lucky stuff with her UFC stuff when she did no. the interviews and the pre match stuff for UFC. She never did that happy go lucky stuff. She was just like, I'm gonna kick your ass. And yeah, and that's, and that's and that's what they should have brought through to WWE. But they had to, you know. Be the the baby face heel who puts smiles on people's faces. If I smile, you smile. That kind of thing. No, but, it just doesn't, it doesn't work for someone like Ronda. But but hey, if you can imagine that this is Ronda Rousey's a one and done WWE night. Go this match is a great addition to this mixtape because I I mean I will and I I know I I started bitching about Ronda's career after this match, but in a in a in a um what's the word I'm looking for. Like, if if you're just taking this match straight up, like this is it's super fun. It's great. It's 
it, this is the one match that I think we have on this whole mixtape that is an attraction. You know, mm-hmm. like it's the thing that you don't expect from WWE, and it's a former UFC fighter coming in in a mixed tag that breaks the traditional mixed tag rules for the better of the match. And it's great. You know, TLC 2, we expect that out of those six guys and then the other people that showed up in the match. This, we didn't know what to expect from Ronda Rousey. In a wrestling, in a wrestling ring, like over the, this is her first match, and I think she excelled at her role. Like, with what they had her do, it was great. The stuff with Triple H and Kurt Angle is cool. Stephanie is on 10 the entire time. The commentary is in it. The crowd is in it. Like, and then, yeah, it kind of goes off, goes off the rails soon after this. But like the actual match itself, I this definitely deserves to be on here, especially oh. like in regards to I don't care what kind of tag match. Like I know we only did two v twos for this, but we we could do any tag match from WrestleMania history. This should this would put up a fight against literally anything else, anything else we've mentioned, solely because of like in a time capsule. This match rules, and. I, I couldn't help, and this has nothing to do with the actual match. Um, am I the only one that really wants to see like Perk Angle and like Reign of Terror Triple H wrestle each other for twenty minutes? Like, I think that would be incredible. But that's besides the point. This match rocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an absolute fantastic match. I, I, I enjoyed it at the time. I still liked it when I rewatched it, and yeah, very, very it's fun. Yeah, it's a WrestleMania. it's a WrestleMania tag match. It's one of those ones you wouldn't get bored of watching. Yes, yeah, storytelling. It's a great story told, and yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. It could have made a very WrestleMania. Probably should have made a very that year's WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, Brock Roman was shit. Oh, completely. Uh, right, we're now going to go on to the final match of our mixtape for this particular episode, and it's my match. Uh, I went back to WrestleMania 14 mm-hmm. in 1998, and it's a match I remember as a child. Or when I was started watching wrestling, watching and thinking, this is mental. But it's so, it's, such, <laughs> it's such a lot of fun in the most mentalist way. It's the match on this particular card for the WWF Tag Team Championships. It's a dumpster match. It's the UH Outlaws, Billy Gunn and the Road Dog defending their tag team titles against the team of Cactus Jack and a 50-odd-year-old Chainsaw Charlie, better known as Terry Funk. <laughs> just... I mean, why didn't they just call him Terry Funk? I mean, JR called him Terry Funk more than he did Chainsaw Charlie. They kept flip-flopping between the two. Yeah. Uh, Rontor calls him Terry Funk when he's doing his, his bit yeah. at the entrance. I think JR mentioned he's like 50, he was 53 at the time as well. Like, that on its own is, is mental. Like, then again, we have seen like 50-odd old uh, celebrities compete at yeah, Terry Funk is too old for that shit. Like uh, I, I, I was wa- okay. You know, then again, Sting, wanna... Sting is sixty-one, and he's still competing regularly in AEW. And I mean, and that's that's a whole different conversation we can have in a different podcast because I'm not the biggest fan of that either. Um, but in regards to this, in in regards to this match, like this is, again, my first time watching this ever. I've never seen this before, and. Um, boy, I didn't know that this match was <laughs> as uh, was as wild as it is. It it goes by quick, but it fe- I shouldn't say that the runtime f- makes it seem like it's a quick match. But this was this was a, so this was a drag for me. 
like I wasn't the biggest fan of this one. Oh, come on. Really? <laughs> and I, I don't, I, there's something about it. I don't know. Maybe it's because like, and I know like I'm, I love the new age outlaws again. If I would like, if I was a, a wrestling fan around this time, I would have been like, oh, you better go somebody. Like, I, yes, I would have been in that with the new age outlaws. Like, mm. And, you know, Cactus Jack is cool, like Chainsaw Charlie or Terry Funk, whatever the hell you want to call him that day. Like, it was something about this was weird. The finish was hysterical. I was cracking the fuck up. <laughs> the, finish, <laughs> the, finish, the finish is class. Great finish. The finish is absolutely class. Because where the hell did Terry Funk come from? <laughs> like, where I, yeah. he, I mean, he <laughs> went into the dumpster. And he just appeared at the let's, forklift. Let's 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 be brutally honest. The finish is pretty done. The finish is hundred percent pretty done. But, but he's a, as we mentioned, he's a fifty-three year old man, and he's back there as quick as anything. Mm. Bear in mind, he just fell off a lot. La- he got pushed off a ladder through the dumpster, which had its lids down, so it would have had the impact going through the lid as well as. No, he no, he never took that spot. Uh, Mick Foley took the spot. Oh no! Yeah, it was Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. It was no. Funk got hit with a chair and he was pushed into the ladder. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He uh, he gets that one, but then they eventually get him and they they pile. They're not pile driving him into the la- into the dumpster. I'm sure mm-hmm. he gets the. Pi- He's the in the dumpster by ringside when mm. they when the New Age Outlaws take uh, Cactus Jack to the back. But like it yeah. was insane. Like logically, just watching this, I'm like, where the hell did he come from? Mm-hmm. He's a man possessed when he gets back there as well. He's got yes, <laughs> holy shit! Mm. I mean, like, they the, finish, was, the finish was my favorite part of this whole match. I, I mean, just the, I mean, who knew Terry Funk had a forklift license as well? Like it was, um, Ter- the, Terry Funk is a Terry Funk is a very He's a, he's, a, he's a very insane man. And then let's to put, put them in the tall dumpster as well. Like at least that way they couldn't climb out. So I suppose it was kind of creative in the way that, you know, you stick them in the dumpster and you think, okay, how the hell are we supposed to get out unless it's like really tall? So I suppose there was there was a bit of logic behind the that finish. And but, they put the pallet down on the top. So even if they did, they couldn't push the doors open or the lids open. It's great. All they, all they had to do was put the lids down. They think the pallet was just a bit overkill. <laughs> I, it, it was it was it was determined that they were staying in there. He was he was hitting the side of the dumpster and everything. He was it was the range, but you know the chainsaw jolly gimmick was meant to be kind of the range. I don't know if any of you guys have watched the '98 Royal Rumble, where he enters. He's one of the first two in with Cactus Jack, and he's literally throwing about the chainsaw <laughs> like a man, like a madman. He's mm. just not, he's just not right. I mean, yeah. I think I, I think I quite like this match. Yeah, I, I, I followed the feud quite a lot. To be fair, when you, the, the whole feud with these two, these four was really good. Yeah, going into a, it. a dumpster match is meant to be a chaotic brawl. Like, I've only ever seen one other dumpster match, and believe it or not, it was the Braun Strowman Callisto match from 2017 Raw. Uh, and that was yeah, that was an awful match, all things considered. But you just knew that you know when you've got Cactus Jack and Terry Funk in a dumpster match, you know it's going to be wild and. But I got straight into this. It's like when the Outlaws did their their signature entrance, you know, it's the road dog, Jesse J, the badass Billy Gunn. We are dear Generation X. Let's get ready to suck it and stuff. You know, that that got me hyped. But and then as soon as they got into the match itself, you know, people were, you know, they were doing spots on the stairs. Foley took a 
quite a nasty sort of tumble into the dumpster, you know, obviously doing. Oh, my God. He did a senton into the damn side of the dumpster. Yeah, it wasn't some shit. It wasn't the smoothest of segues, but I think the purpose of it was I think he was meant to hit Road Dog against it, but I think, oh no, it was Road Dog. He was going to hit Billy against the, the dumpster, but then Road Dog baseball slided Billy out of the way. <laughs> but the timing was completely off, and you could tell it was just a, a planned spot that was a bit, it was like, slightly botched, but it, they got away with it. I don't want to, uh, and I, I came off, I came in hot talking about how I didn't like this. I don't want to say I didn't like it. I, I just, I did it. And like in a vacuum, that's the one I'm looking for in a vacuum. That I I didn't know, like I was like, what like what the hell is going on here? And the the idea of a dumpster match, I'm turned off from the beginning uh, because of shit like Braun Strowman and Kalisto, which unfortunately I watched, I've seen, and I still don't like. But like I get shit like this, and it's the again the WrestleMania attraction. You get Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack against New Age Outlaws. And I like all four guys involved, some more than others, but I was just like, what the hell is happening here? And then like some cookie sheets just appeared and they're just smacking each other with it. And that's when I'm like, okay, now we're t- you're talking my language. Yeah. I was like, where did, where, did the, where did the baking trays come from? Bacon, like, ba- ba- the- baking trays was such a common point at that side of wrestling. I mean, the dumpster match, the dumpsters and gimmick match of this one kind of, Makes sense because the whole feud started because uh, they got tossed. Uh, the New Age Outlaws had these two in the dumpster and then tossed them off the stage. Right. That the yeah. Whole, that, mm-hmm. that was the whole part mm-hmm. of it, which came about because Terry Funk and changed, uh, Terry Funk and Mick Foley were having a match because the whole thing was these two are friends but they hate each other. You know, they just because they're both crazy. You know, they're mm-hmm. both absolutely mental. I mean, Terry Funk's brief spell in WWE. Terry Funk's 1998 is like the underrated favorite of mine in WWF because he has this feud, and then he obviously appears during the uh, the Hell in a Cell match between Mankind and Undertaker, where Undertaker literally choke slams him out of his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crazy! So it's, it's just it's, it, it has the highlight of the match. I mean, I mean, WrestleMania 14 in general was actually a pretty damn good show, especially when they were opening. The- Especially when they open with the tag team battle royal and then close with HBK Austin and with Mike Tyson on the outside. Yeah, the close the close of this mania is really good because before this one you have Rock and Shamrock, where Shamrock is also a crazy bastard. Uh, he gets himself disqualified after winning the title. You know, it's only it's less than five minutes, but it's a decent bit of fun. You get this match, you then get Kane Kane and Undertaker, which isn't a brilliant match, but it's the most anticipated match on the card. You know, it's the mm-hmm. biggest long-term storytelling. And of course, it's the main event between Austin and uh, Shawn Michaels for the title, where Austin finally wins the belt. So it's the whole thing kind of works in that side of the way. But this one, I would compare this tag match, if we go back to WrestleMania 17, I would compare this to, in some way, maybe tell it's maybe not as good, but it's still fun, to the Kane, Raven, Big Show, Hardcore match. Yeah, I can sort of see the comparison sure. there because obviously they go backstage and you know they have that they have a few like they have a hardcore brawl backstage as well. I mean that's what Cactus Jack was all about, you know, just fight anywhere and be as creative with weapons as you can. And that triple threat hardcore from Mania 17 definitely it's one of Big Show and Kane's better matches 
dare I'd say. And the finish again for that match was quite creative too. Mm-hmm. Although Raven I, did nearly ruin the whole show by driving the forklift into the uh, the yeah. stadium's power cape power supply. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, uh, but. The and we we talked about this uh, or we mentioned it, but it's my favorite spot of the whole thing and bo- probably the best spot of the whole match. Um, it's Road Dog hits James Charlie with the cookie sheet. He falls into the ladder that has yes. Jack and Gun on it. And I I don't know if this was intentional, but the lids to the dumpster were on. They weren't flapped off like how they were for majority of the match. They were they were they were properly on so both guys fell through the lids they broke the dumpster lids while when they were when they went through it so me having not seen this match before i'm like how is this like how is this gonna happen they broke it like like then the whole gimmick of the match that um that lawler and uh jim ross are saying is that they have to close the lid that to close the lids and lawler didn't even know the rules of of the match for half the damn thing um, because he kept saying, oh, both guys are in. They must have lost. They lost, JR. They lost. Like the, the whole thing. But I'm like, what the hell? But of course, uh, then we go to the back and then Chainsaw Charlie speaking Latin for the last five minutes. <laughs> Just, I mean, it's, it's the fact that um, obviously that spot happens. And then Road Dog, who's still okay because he's obviously the guy that hit Chainsaw Charlie and they fail. He drags Billy Gunn out of it and the two of them work to get Chainsaw Charlie in. And they don't really realise Mick Foley has somehow as well got himself out the dumpster. I could not see how he got himself out that dumpster. He slithered out of that shit. I don't know how he got... Was there a hole in the bottom or something? I don't know. No, he's, he just like jumped out. Like I saw him like he just li- literally slithered out the side. No selling like a boss, yeah. But that, that ladder spot definitely was the highlight of the whole match. Especially, you know, it was almost shades of the the Matt Hardy, Bubba Ray table spot from TLC2. It was... I it mean, was a nice precursor. One, yeah, one one wrong move, and, you know, they easily could have missed that dumpster because it wasn't that wide, all things considered. Right. And I suppose, I suppose having the lids up did offer a bit of cushioning, although cushioning might not be the, the, <laughs> the, the correct or suitable word for that see, uh, landing. See if you've... Uh, See if you watch this match and you want to see more of Terry Funk. One match I would highly recommend for being a lot of fun. Not a great match, but a lot of fun. It's WCW Spring Stampede 2000. Terry oh, Funk Christ. versus Terry Funk versus Norman Smiley for the WCW Hardcore title. It's not fun. It's not the best match. But it's, oh, it's so funny. Because <laughs> Norman Smiley's... You know, Norman Smiley, people know him currently as one of the trainers at NXT, but his gimmick at the time was screaming Norman Smiley. So anytime Terry Funk just hits him with anything, just starts screeching. <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> WCW 2000, yeah, a hard pass. Oh, um, yeah. No, I, I can see that. It's not a great pay-per-view, but the, that, particular, <laughs> that particular match is funny. It's just quite... It's, just, it, it's the one... It's not any... That's the pay-per-view that's the New Blood versus Millionaires Club stuff. And these two have completely nothing to do with that fucking storyline. <laughs> like, and, and and maybe why like I'm so I'm I'm not as high on this was because I I watched in my watch order for this for this podcast I watched this after TLC two, oh, so it's, like it's, it's completely copied. It's a whole different vibe, and I like I I read the the participants of it. I'm like oh okay like it's Terry Funk Mick Foley and the New Age Outlaws. Okay, this should be cool. 
and it went by pretty you know by quickly um i guess but i i'm like i i thought it was it was gonna be messier i kind of wanted it to be gross um i'm not a big fan of a little insight to me as a wrestling fan i'm not a big fan of blood like when things get like like when not, people start gushing in blood not john um, also fan then <laughs> uh, I mean, I, lo- I love Mox. I love Mox. Uh, but like, for for example, uh, Hangman and Mox at uh, Revolution. Um, holy shit, that was hard for me to watch. Yeah. What about but, um, Eddie Guerrero JBL at Judgment Day 2004? Holy shit. Mm. Um, like, just like shit like that. I'm like, this is insane. Uh, or like JBL John Cena. You know, like that shit like, shit like that. Where oh, it's yeah. like, like, where dudes are just gu- covered in blood. I kind of wanted that for this and yes i i was just dunking on how terry funk's too old for this shit and at the time um mick foley was falling apart at the seams but like damn i kind of wanted this to be absolutely insane and maybe that's where my, my little disappointment comes in but the latter spot was cool and the finish is absolute bad shit insane and terry funk is speaking three languages at once and it is it's <clears throat> yeah it's it, it's it's awesome. Like it's cool watching them win the belts. Who who they who they drop the straps to? They dropped it back to the outlaws the next night on Raw in a steel cage. Mother <laughs> oh, <Christ>. okay. <laughs> Maybe that's the match <laughs> I gotta watch after this. <laughs> yeah, I think this is. Uh, I think the match is only done to do this dumpster spot. Because I, I and the, the, the I think the next night is when the DX reforms the whole triple h x-pac outlaws thing so it kind of makes oh. sense for the outlaws to win the it makes sense for the outlaws to win the belt back but this was kind of done just to give these i think it's probably just to give to give terry funk a title in wwf and obviously the the dumpster match kind of helped make it happen you know but yeah the terry funk terry funk's left wwf by the end of the year and obviously loses loses his shoes at hell of a cell in that one, uh, but Chris, you made a what you were saying about how you watch this, um, how well you watch these matches will bring us into our concluding point as we do with all the mixtape shows. Is we will give our recommendation of how we would put these shows on our tape to give to anybody else to give them the ideal watching experience of our four WrestleMania tag team matches. So, Chris, I will go on to you and how would you order your mixtape? Oh man, um, I I really want to go in chronological order from the from WrestleMania to WrestleMania, but I think I'm gonna do. I'll put Steiner's Head Shrinkers first. I'll put the Dumpster Match second. Rousey Angle against uh, the Helmsleys third, and then you end with TLC two. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Dave, what about yourself? What would you go with? I would actually open with the mixed tag match because I think if you're going to lure in a casual audience and WrestleMania is obviously all about spectacle, I mean, Triple H and Stephanie know how to put on a, on a spectacular entrance with the, the motorbikes and stuff. And I think that'll be a good way to get people up and running. And it gives casual fans a reason to tune in immediately as well so even if they don't watch the rest of the mixtape i think it would gather the biggest audience to kick off the show and people get to see a match i think most people would be tempted to watch 
uh, whether you're a hardcore fan or a, a casual fan. So that's I had debated it a little bit because I I think that could potentially main event, but I would actually I would actually open with the mixed tag match. Then I would do Steiner's Head Shrinkers, a classic uh, tag team match from the the early nineties. You know, no flips, just fists, kind of FTR style a little bit. Yeah. Say yeah, or say yeah. Uh, and then third, I would do the dumpster match. You know, a prerequisite to what I think probably should be the main event. It's um, I agree with Chris, and I think TLC two should main event. I'm going to go slightly different. I'm going to open with the TLC. See, it's either first or last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would. Open with the TLC. I would then go. I would go head shrinkers versus uh, Steiners. I would then go dumpster match. Yeah, yeah. And I would end. And I would end with uh, the mixed tag. So yeah, that that was the that was the the difficulty of choosing the order because I think Steiners head shrinkers and the dumpster match. I think we're always going to be in the middle. The two highlight matches for me were the mixed tag match and TLC two, but. I think just because how much TLC2 is revered in hindsight, that's what makes me put it in the main event. And it's also a championship match as well. And I think it's ideal to finish with a title match and open with a spectacle. So that was sort of my thinking. But I completely agree with the the logic behind that. You know, you could have a celebrity-style match close the show and have a title match open it just as well. So I, I guess it all just comes down to... You know, whether you'd rather see, you'd rather open with a spectacle or would you rather open with uh, a hell of a classic? I just so think the reason, and like the reason why I would put the the Steiners head shrinkers first, like it's almost like we're going from, um, like, the, like to me, like, oh, I wanted to pick something that I hadn't seen before, but I couldn't help myself after seeing you guys' choices to pick TLC too. But I'm glad, like, Steiner's head shrinkers, like it. I really like that match. I think it's very good, especially for a product of the time. And on the sh- on the card, it's on. Like that match yeah. is very good. Mm. And I, I'm like, well, like you're almost watching like like the evolution of what WrestleMania like should be. Like you know, like it's you you get your your classic two two v two tag to to open. And then we start getting fun with the gimmick match to sec to be second with the dumpster match, you know, especially with at the time, uh, like two legends of the game and a tag team that's on top of the world. You get your attraction match building to this clusterfuck that is the main event <laughs> in TLC two. But the of course, like I mean, TLC two to agree with everyone here at the at the table, it's either opening or closing. Like there's 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 no way in hell TLC two is anywhere else, and I I have to if I didn't put TLC two last, I would have put it first, and I would agree with Ronda's tag match being the main event because I mean shit, especially for how hot that crowd is. Like, I mean the crowd's hot for really all four of these, but mm-hmm. I I get I get why you put the mixed tag to finish. I totally get it. But one thing I will add to TLC two is that it has the X factor of, you know, the the third party of each team getting involved as well. It just added that that nice little zest that you don't often get in 
traditional it's the tag. dessert to the main course yes yes and as do most main events in like the attitude era etc there's always going to be some shenanigans with an outside party or multiple outside parties and that's what i think uh had had here and i think we mentioned this earlier on the outside parties actually added to the uh the uh the star quality of and, and the card it made the sense storyline wise yes why they're there mm-hmm. and they and they they each got a chance to shine nobody looked weak like instead of making six people look great they made nine people look great in that match and that's why i think a main event quality caliber match should be i mean i think you, as we've said you put it first or you put it last you don't stick it in the middle mm-hmm. you got you got to make the, the choice for it but i think yeah. all the orders stated if, if it was sense. just if it was just the the three initial teams with no interference, I reckon it could have gone first. But it's the the interference from the third parties is what pushes it to the main event for me. Like I said, I, I think all the orders are very valid. And listeners, if you agree with any of them or you disagree, you want to give us how you would have ordered these particular matches if you've watched them, please let us know. In the, co- in the comments or please uh, get in touch with us on social media as I say we're at Suplex Retweet on all of them I I hope uh, you've enjoyed this particular this particular edition of the wrestling mixtape here at ESSR I know we have it's always a fun to go back and look at these particular matches and one of the best parts about it is like with the Head Shrinkers Steiners match if it's a crap Wrestlemania we don't need to watch the rest of it <laughs> always a always a win always a win always a win and if it's a good show like WrestleMania 17, you can sit there and watch it for hours and then still get upset when Stone Cold Steve Austin hits the rock with the chair and then shakes hands with the devil. <laughs> uh, 31-year-old still gets me. Still gets me. <laughs> uh, I had to take all the Austin posters off my wall at that point. I was devastated. As Damn. A nine, as a nine-year-old as a nine-year-old kid, I was devastated. I was devastated. Oh, can you imagine the amount of people... Uh... Must have felt the same when Bailey took a pickaxe to the wacky wavelength of the blood flailing tube men. The fact that you nailed that in one go, good for you. <laughs> I've watched enough. I've watched that clip from Family Guy enough to to say it fluently. <laughs> and on that note, I'd like to fight my panel first, the Al Harrington of ESSR, David Hawk. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't get that reference. You've literally just said. That you've watched the episode oh. of Family Guy so many times. Is Al that, Harrington's the guy who sells the wicked. Is that the salesman's name? <laughs> oh, jeez. The more you know. I just I just called him the, the wacky way we play the like tube guy. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I, did, I honestly did not know his name was Al Harrington. And I'm, st- I'm taking the savings on to you. <laughs> yeah, Dave, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and Chris, thank you for joining us. No, I'm very happy to be here. Th- these shows are so much fun to do. And a big shout out uh, to my honorable mention pick, uh, Miz and Morrison versus Bad Bunny and Damian Priest. Mm. Um, huge honorable mention. But oh, I, I, I'm yeah. happy with the choices that we made. That would have been a great one. That would have been a great one. Uh, Tell you what, uh, how, good would, how good would it have been to talk about uh, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T versus uh, Paul Orndorff and Roddy Piper? I thought about it. I thought about it. Again, that's, no, no regrets. That's another, that's another honorable mention. That's next year. That's next year when we come, when we do this again next year. Yeah, I was I was close to revival versus Hawkins and Reid. <laughs> oh, oh, yo, damn! I, didn't even, I forgot about that one. 
It's because of pre-show match. That's probably how you forgot about it. Holy <laughs> shit. Uh, yeah, plenty of choices. If there's any matches you thought we should have talked about again, please let us know. But but another edition, another edition of the ESS our feature show, you know, it's like Suplex Retweet. I've been Stephen Wilson. Thank you again to my panel, and we will see you next time. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McRobbie. We are the hosts of the monthly show on the Suplex Retreat East Meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check out on the Eat Seek Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.